Good morning. Good morning. I got one thing to say to you, and hopefully you know how to respond. He is risen. He is risen amen, amen. Isn't it great? You know, how appropriate was it that Friday, on the day that our Savior became sin for us, and the sky turned dark as night from 12 noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That it was such a nasty, black day. I remember sitting on our carport, listening to it thunder Friday, thinking what it must have been like there on that hill so many years ago. But you know what? Sunday was coming. And today is the day that we celebrate the fact, as well as every Sunday, but more so today, that He, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fulfilled the purpose for His birth. He became the sacrificial lamb. Because of Him, the curtain that separated us from God was torn, giving us access to God the Father. So we celebrate today the fact that our Savior, our Lord, our Messiah, rose from the dead on the third day. So yes, it is Easter, but I love to call it Resurrection Sunday. Because that's what it is, is Resurrection Sunday. We don't, just a few announcements. Everyone is invited to stay with us after the service this morning. Um, we are going to have breakfast in the fellowship hall. So we encourage you and, and invite you all to stay with us for that. And then at 9.30, we'll have Sunday school. We do not have a 10.30 service. We're actually having our full service right now. Um, we're going to have baptism as well as communion. So uh, we hope that you enjoy that. And remember, we do not have service this Wednesday night. We do not have services this Wednesday night. And, uh, but I encourage you to spend time with your family. Enjoy your time with them because I know that uh, Cleveland County Schools is on spring break this week. So enjoy your time with your children and with your families. Now at this time, if you would please Join me in prayer as we begin our time together. Our Lord and Savior, we come before you right now, dear Lord. It's because of what Jesus did that we enter into the Holy of Holies. We can come face to face with you to make our petitions known. And dear Lord, we celebrate that today. Dear Lord, we celebrate the fact that you've shown us mercy and grace. Dear Lord, that, that we think about the sacrifices that were made for us. But dear Lord, we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, making it possible for us to have eternal life. And dear Lord, we worship you today. 
And dear Lord, I know there's a lot of things going on, a lot of family gatherings, a lot of cooking, a lot of celebrating. But dear Lord, for this short hour, as we celebrate Isabel getting baptized, an external sign of what has happened in her life, Dear Lord, I ask you to be with us. As we celebrate communion, remembering the sacrifice that you made for us, I ask you to be with us. Lord, as, I, as we sing and I preach, I ask you to be with us. That everything that we do today is to your honor and glory. May your spirit move among your people. Dear Lord, so that when we leave this place today, People will know that we have been in the presence of God. Bless this time. And may you receive all the honor and glory for it all. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our risen and living Savior, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. so gently when I come in there because I'm afraid one time I'm going to fall flat on my face coming into this thing and uh, but I am excited to be here and not only is it Easter it is a special day in the life of my family a special day in Isabel's life uh, I'm going to call Miss Isabel out here to us right now This is my little girl, Isabel, if you don't know her. And she has some, she recently, well, actually not recently. Can you see her? <laughs> um, so I would say, we're going to say recently, but not recently. This is, this conversation that her and I have had has been going on for well over a year. And, uh, you know, I think uh, over the past couple of months, I just saw her really fall in love with God and Jesus. Uh, when I was sick with COVID this last time, she cried because we weren't coming to church. Uh, and there was, she wanted to come see her friends, yes, but she wanted to come to Sunday school to Miss Laura's class to learn about Jesus. She looks forward to it every week. Uh, I'll catch her. Uh, we can barely read, and I catch her reading through her Bible, trying to trying to figure things out at times. She has just really fell in love with Jesus. And today we're here, Isabel, right? Because why are we here today? What have you decided to do with your life? She has decided to follow Jesus. All right, and that is an awesome decision. So I, today we're here, and I'm going to have to squat down a little bit because she's little bitty.
It's about with your profession of faith in Jesus Christ. It is an honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In all Yes, we have come to worship and celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand as we sing the first and the last verse of page 160, Low in the Grave He Lay, better known as Up from the Grave He Arose. <laughs>
Now, thank you for the opportunity for us to give back to you a small portion. I ask if you will bless this gift and bless the giver, for it is your name that we pray. Amen. Once again, would you stand as we sing, Because He Lives, page 407, first and the third. <laughs> Excited to be here? Early, early Sunday morning, right? It was way earlier than this when uh, they came out to find the empty tomb. And I'm sure that, I know that was an exciting, exciting day. Well, but it was exciting because he was, he didn't, he wasn't dead anymore. He was alive. He arose from the dead. He did. And so, today is Thomas. So, have you guys ever played Monopoly before? 
You never who's played Monopoly? You guys ever played Monopoly? You never played Susie? All right. Well, in Monopoly, there's a couple things. There's a couple things that can happen, and it can send you straight to jail, and you go straight to jail, and you're in there till you roll doubles, till you pay fifty dollars, or, and then you, and then you skip a turn, but. So you go to jail because you landed on that on a spot or or something like that. But so there's a there's an you could. I actually have a card right here. This says go to jail. But there there's a there's a loophole in the game. There's a way to get out of jail. You don't have to miss your next turn. You don't have to uh, you don't have to pay any money. An unjail card. There's a, there's a card, and it's called and it says "Get out of jail free." So that's the card everybody wants in Monopoly. In case you go to jail, you get out of you get out of jail free. All right. So a long long time ago, Adam and Eve were in the garden way before Easter. They were in the Garden of Eden. I'm telling you, a love for Jesus. I'm telling you, that's what she's got. But, okay, shh. Give me three minutes and I'll get through this. Give me three minutes. All right. So, where was I? Eve were in the garden and the serpent came to them and convinced Adam and Eve that God wasn't being truthful with them and made Adam and Eve break one of God's laws and that caused a separation. You know what that did? That sent us to jail. That sent us, that, there was basically bars in between us and a God. It was more than bars. We, but we couldn't get next to God because of that sin that had entered this world. And it plagued all of mankind. Up until a certain baby was born. Jesus, yes. There was a certain baby that was born. We celebrate that on Christmas, right? And so Christmas and Easter go hand in hand. Bet you guys didn't know that, did you? Because we, because without Christmas, Easter could have never happened. And without Easter, Christmas would have just been another, another baby's birthday. But because Jesus came, he lived a life we couldn't. He didn't sin. He never broke one of God's rules. He lived a life we couldn't. He gave us this get-out-of-jail-free card when he died on the cross for our sins. He said, you know what? They're not missing a turn. They're not missing a relationship with God. They don't, and they don't even have to pay anything or do anything. He laid down his life so we could be forgiven for our sins. And I'm so thankful that that's not the end of the story because the story is Jesus rose from the grave 
on the third day. And you know what? I would like, like, you know how when you get done reading the story, it says uh, they all live happily ever after the end. Well, you know what? Jesus' story is not over yet. Did you know that? No. It's not. One day, we're celebrating him rising from the grave one day. One day, he's coming back again. Isn't that awesome? And so that's why we're doing this. We are celebrating. We're preparing ourselves. That's why we come to church. That's why we pray. That's why we worship God. We're preparing ourselves for when Jesus comes back. And all you've got to do to be ready when Jesus comes back is know him as your Lord and Savior, just like Isabel now does this morning. And so not just kids. <coughs> I, I urge you, anybody in this room, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, don't walk out of here today. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Don't say, I'll do it the next day. Don't say, I'll do it when I'm older. If you're ready to have that relationship with Jesus Christ and you feel him tugging at your heart, don't leave this place today without letting me or preacher Artie or your mom and dad know, okay? It goes for all of us. Wow. And so, I'm so, so let's pray. And we're going to thank God that Jesus has risen from the grave. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for giving us a chance for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross in our place so we can be forgiven for our sins. Because Lord knows, Lord, you know we couldn't do it. There's not enough good deeds we could do. There's not enough people we could help. Not enough money we could pay to have a relationship with you. It's only because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. I'm so grateful for that. All this I ask in the name of, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you, choir. You know, it is because he lives. Let me say that again because I don't think you guys heard me. It is because he lives. That's better. Now, it is early. Okay, not as early as it needs to be, but it's early. And I've been up since 5 o'clock making sausage gravy for breakfast. A whole crock pot full of sausage gravy for breakfast. So I'm saying that to tell you, you're going to have to keep me awake this morning. I'm not worried about keeping you awake. I'm worried about you keeping me awake. So I want you to respond. We are, this is not high church. We don't have to be quiet. I want you guys to shout. Because today, beyond any other day, it's a time for celebration. Today is a day that we should be shouting it from the rooftops. There you go, Whitey. He added an extra hallelujah to that amen. So that, that he's, got the, he's on a roll now, so I expect the rest of you to jump in. But the title of the sermon is Jesus Paid It All. And we're going to look at that, and I want you guys to actually think, we're going to look at, at what John records are the last words of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at all the stuff that happened there at that end time. But the story does not stop there. Because in the words of Paul Harvey, there's a, the rest of the story. So if you would turn to John chapter 19, we're going to look at, at verses 28 through 30 is where we're going to be looking at today. So John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30, and if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. John 19, starting in verse 28, it says this, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished in order that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to His mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for what we see. The beloved disciple, the disciple that was an eyewitness to what was happening on the cross as he sat there and what he recorded here for us to see. Dear Lord, help us to understand exactly what all of this means today. Speak through me. And it's in the name of our risen and living Savior we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing I want you to notice is this, is that knowing that all things had already been accomplished. First thing it says, knowing that all things had already been accomplished. Jesus knew that the work had been completed. His work. The reason that He was born, everything had been completed and He was preparing to yield His life and die having fulfilled all the prophecies. Now if you look back, last week we talked about the triumphal entry and how 
him riding on the colt that had never been ridden on before, that it was a fulfillment of prophecy by Zechariah. Everything, his birth, his death, even everything that he went through on the cross, even after his death, was a fulfillment of prophecy. You see, there, you have to understand this, is there, there was a time be all, before all things were accomplished. Now you understand what I'm saying. There was a time that everything had not been accomplished because if you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 50, he says, but I had a ba- have baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. He is not talking about the baptism by John. He is literally talking about physically being buried. Because, you know, what we do in the baptismal pool, what Izzy did this morning was it was an outward display. And she was actually buried in the water. But she was raised to walk in a newness of life in Jesus Christ. It is an outward sign of what happened spiritually inside of her. She is no longer the same child that Laura gave birth to. Spiritually, she is a new creature. Made new through the power of Jesus Christ. That's what that's a symbol of. But what Jesus is talking about here is that He still had to physically undergo death and burial. And He was not looking forward to it. There was a time that all things were being completed. That Jesus actually became the target of God's wrath and judgment of sin. You see, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 21. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, Jesus, what He did is once He was hanging there on the cross, this perfect Lamb of God, the only begotten Son of God, became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. You know, in um, Leviticus chapter 16, God describes how He wants them to do certain things. And what He is describing here has become known as the holiest of Jewish festivals and feasts. Yom Kippur. And on that day, God tells Moses to tell Aaron that He wants him to take a bullock and to sacrifice him as a sin offering. But then He's going to take two goats and He has to cast lots on those two, those two goats to decide which one becomes an offering to God and which one becomes the scapegoat. And what that and this is the first time that that word is recorded in history, scapegoat. And what it was is that that as Aaron sacrificed the blood offerings and burnt offerings to Jesus, he would then 
and turn. Take his hands, lay it on this other goat. Symbolically placing the sins of the entire nation of Israel on that goat. And then that goat was led out into the wilderness, taking the sins of the entire nation of Israel away from them out to wander in the wilderness. But when this was accomplished, the time that this was being accomplished, Jesus literally became our scapegoat. The punishment that we deserved was placed on Jesus. And He became our sin. He took on our sin and took the punishment that we're the ones that deserved. And He became our scapegoat. Then there is also a time after all things were fulfilled that they were all now accomplished and Jesus had successfully offered Himself as a substitute sin offering on our behalf. On behalf of all humanity. And that is when everything was done. When Jesus became sin for us. When all of it had been fulfilled. He then said, I am thirsty. See, Jesus accepted a taste of this greatly diluted wine to wet parched lips and a dry throat because He had an announcement to make. And he wanted to be able to say it clearly. You know, I I have a bottle of water down there on my front pew. And I drink that the entire time we're singing. And I take a drink right before I come up here to preach because I want a clear throat. I want to be able to talk clearly. And there are times that I get choked up. And there's times that I get... I have to have a drink to clear my throat and to wet my lips because I want to make sure everybody can understand what I'm saying. That's what's going on here. Jesus was getting ready to make a proclamation and He wanted to make sure that everybody heard it. Everybody heard it. Not only that, but having completed His work, You think about this, when you're working and it's a hard job and you're finally finished and you're like, and you sit down and you grab a big glass of sweet tea or you grab a big glass of water and you take a swig. And I know there's some people that that's not what they're wanting. They're wanting that stuff that looks like urine. Okay? But they're thirsty. When the job is done, getting that drink, it's just like, (sighs) Jesus' job was almost done. Everything had been accomplished. He had been made sin. And He was thirsty. But we have to understand that Jesus did. This is not, in, in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, this is not the same wine that was offered to Him there. See, this was not the pain-numbing wine mixed with myrrh to help take away some of the pain that these men were enduring. 
hanging on the cross. That's not what it was. This was actually a drink that the Roman soldiers brought with them. Basically, cheap wine and they diluted it with water to make it go as far as possible because they knew that it was going to be a long day in that sun and it was for their refreshment. And so it was laying there. It was, that jar of, of wine was sitting there for the soldiers. And when they said, when he said, I am thirsty, that's what they gave him because he had already, he had already denied the myrrh. Because Jesus needed to experience the full weight and pain of sin. He could not have any of that taken away. He bore it all for us. But when He said, I'm thirsty, see in Mark 15.23, they tried to give Him wine mixed with myrrh, but He did not take it. They stuck a sponge on the end of a hyssop and reached it up to Him to take a drink. Now, hyssop. Think about this. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, where God is telling them what to do while they're in captive, in slavery in Egypt, preparing for the Passover of the angel of death, He told them to take the blood of the lamb that was being sacrificed and eaten as part of the, the Passover meal to take hyssop, dip it in the blood, and mark the door frames with the blood. Any Jewish person would have recognized the importance of hyssop because our Passover lamb was being sacrificed there on the cross. And then Jesus says, it is finished. Jesus' final word, and in Greek, the word that He said, it is one word. This final word was a cry of a winner. Jesus had finished His eternal purpose on the cross. It stands today as a finished work, the foundation of all Christian peace and faith, paying in full the debt we righteously owe to God and making peace between God and man. See, this was not a cry of pain. This was not a cry of anguish. This is the reason He asked for something to drink. Because it was a final cry of a winner. Someone that had conquered, had completed, had won. This single word. Now you think about this. A single word can change a lot. It can change a life. When you're in trouble and you have to go to court and the judge slams that gavel down and says, guilty. Your life has changed forever. 
when you ask that special man, when you ask that special lady, will you marry me? And hopefully by the time you ask, you know what the answer is going to be. If you don't, don't ask. But when you ask that and she says, yes, your life changes forever. But no other single word ever spoken changed more than what Jesus is speaking now. And He yelled out, Tetelestai! Translated, it is finished. When He shouted out, Tetelestai! Everything changed. It was at that moment when he yelled out to Telestai that that curtain was ripped from top to bottom. It was the moment that everything changed. You see, at some point, before he died, before the veil was torn in two, before he cried out, it is finished, an awesome spiritual transaction took place. God the Father laid upon God the Son. All the guilt and wrath our sin deserved and He bore it in Himself perfectly, totally satisfying the wrath of God for us. See, Charles Spurgeon says that it was a conqueror's cry. It was uttered with a loud voice. There is nothing of anguish about it. There is no wailing in it. It is the cry of one who had completed a tremendous labor. And then Morris says this, he says, Jesus died with the cry of a victor on His lips. This is not the moan of, a defeat, of the defeated nor the sigh of patient resignation. It is a, the triumphal recognition that He was now fully accomplished the work that He had come to do. Jesus, yelled out to Talestai because He had won the victory. What Satan had thought He was putting an end to. See, Satan thought that the rebellion that He started with His little minions up in heaven where they were trying to overthrow because they, He was jealous of Jesus because the word Lucifer, the name Lucifer literally means angel of light. He was, and the Bible tells us that he was the most beautiful thing that God ever created. But he was jealous of Jesus. He's like, what is so special about him? I should be, I'm the most beautiful thing God ever created. I should be the one getting all the praise, not him. And so he set out to overthrow Jesus. That's what that rebellion was all about. But he lost. And he's been, able to, he's been trying to do it ever since. And on this day, the day that Jesus hung on the cross, Good Friday, he thought he had finally won. And when Jesus yelled, Testalistai, the devil started doing a little jig. A little winner's dance. Like in the, in the, in the end zone. He had scored, he had won, and he did the Iggy Shuffle. Okay? That's what was going on. 
But notice what? After he yelled out to Talestai, he bowed his head. This is a peaceful act. This was not like he yelled out and went, that's not what it was at all. We forget that even though Jesus was 100% man, He was 100% God. This was a peaceful act like laying down on a pillow to sleep. Jesus did not hang His head in defeat. He bowed it in peace. See, elsewhere in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 20, Luke 2, or excuse me, 9, 28, Jesus says, the Son of Man has no where to lay His head. This is the same word. Jesus is talking, I don't even have a place to lay my head down to sleep. That same word is used here of laying His head down to sleep in peace. But then, it says, and gave up His Spirit. And this is something that we have to understand. That no one, those Roman soldiers, Satan, no one took Jesus' life from Him. That was something they could never take. He could have called 10,000 angels at any point during the whole process and they would have came and surrounded Him and they would have protected Him. He did not have to sit there and let them nail Him to the cross. He did not have to take the beatings. He did not have to be arrested. He did not have to have the crown of thorns placed on His head. They could not do anything to Him. And we know that for a fact because He is God. And when it wasn't his time, remember when he went to Nazareth and they, he was teaching in the, in the synagogue and they wanted to stone him? And they, they had him out there and they were getting ready to stone him and kill him? And he's like, uh-uh. And what did he do? What does the Bible say he did? He just walked right, right between them. He just left. And they just stood there. Jesus like, like, oh, you ain't doing nothing to me. It's not my time yet. And he left. And there was nothing they could do to stop him. Because he was not ready to let them. You see, when he yielded his life, it was all him. It was God. He laid down his life. He is unlike any other man when he gave up his spirit. Death had no righteous hold over the sinless Son of God. He stood in the place of sinners, but was never a sinner Himself, so He could not die unless He gave up His Spirit. John 10, 17, and 18. For this reason the Father loves Me, because I lay down My life, so that I might, may take it again. No one has taken it away from Me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. St. Augustine write, wrote, He gave up His life because He willed it, when He willed it, and as He willed it. Jesus did things when He wanted, the way He wanted, and because He wanted and why? Because of us. So paid in full. 
The verb to telestai was used in, in first and second centuries in the sense of fulfilling or paying a debt and often appeared in rece on receipts. Jesus' statement, it is finished, literally means paid in full. It was all satisfied, paid in full, accomplished. The promises and the prophecies were finished. The sacrifices and ceremonies of the priesthood were finished. His perfect obedience was finished. The satisfaction of God's justice was finished. The power of Satan, sin, and death were finished. Charles Spurgeon says this, Has He finished the work for me? Then I must go to work for Him. And I must preserve until I finish my work too. Not to save myself, for that is all done. But because I am saved. When Jesus said to Talestai, it is finished, paid in full. Everything changed. But in the words of Paul Harvey, and now the rest of the story. Because on that third day, when God the Father said to God the Son, Arise, my love! And that stone rolled away. And the ground shook as the Son of God the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Great I Am. The one that had the nail scars in His hands. The one that had the spear scar in His side. Walked out of that grave. Out of a borrowed tomb. You see, when you think about that, that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He didn't even have a place to be buried. A borrowed tomb. And they had... He walked out. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene's amazement? When she goes there on that Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath, to finish the job of anointing and, pre and, and preparing the body of Jesus for, for proper burial. They had to do a rush job, if you remember, because they had to get Him down and buried before sundown because it was about to be the Sabbath. And when he, they did that, they couldn't do it completely or according to law. So they had to go back to finish it. And when she went back, she walked into that garden and the stone was gone. And the body was gone. But the grave wrappings and everything else was still there. In the shape and form of a man. Just laying there empty. Just a shell. Because Jesus had paid it all. And when He rose again, 
He completed not only the the defeat of Satan, the defeat of sin, the defeat of death, but He defeated the grave. Because sin could not control Him. Death could not keep Him. And the grave could not hold Him. Why? Because of His love for us. Jesus did this all for us. Everything that He went through. And we're going to celebrate communion, but before we do that, we have to give people the opportunity that if you are not made right with God, Jesus, who has paid it all for all of us, if you have not accepted that, I want to give you the opportunity to, to come and know Him as your personal Savior so that you can participate in remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us. So as we sing this song, this is your opportunity. This is your chance to get right with God. Accept the payment that Jesus made on the cross. I want to be able to introduce you. There are people all over this congregation that would love to pray with you so that you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Whatever it is that Jesus is telling you to do today, do it right now. Don't hesitate. Do it now. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, page 134, Jesus Paid It All. our deacons come and prepare the communion, the serving of the communion, we here celebrate what we call open communion. Which that is nothing. All that means is this. Is that the only requirements to partake in communion with us, actually there's only one. 
that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you have prayed to accept Him. Doesn't matter if you're Baptist. Doesn't matter if you're Methodist. Doesn't matter if you're a member of this church. The only requirement is that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you do, you are invited to join us in communion. Please be in prayer as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us.
gathered together for the Passover meal, Jesus took the bread and He said, this is My body that is broken for you. Take and eat. But before He told them to eat it, He blessed the bread. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for the fact that You willingly gave up Your body to be beaten, to be pierced, to be broken for us. As Isaiah says, by Your stripes we are healed. Thank You. In the precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Take, eat.
And the Bible says Jesus took the cup. And He says, this is My blood that is shed for you. And He blessed the cup. Let's pray. The Lord again. Thank You for the blood that was shed for us. The blood that came from the piercing of the, the crown. From Your body being torn open by the whip. For the blood that came from the nails. And from the blood that came from the piercing of Your side. All of it was shed to wash us white as snow. We thank You for it. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Take, drink. Now we are going to sing one verse of the blood will never lose its power in celebration. And our Deacon of the Week, Larry Hammett, will then pray to end our service and to bless the food that we're getting ready to eat. And please, as our custom, please, teenagers, kids, let our senior adults go first that are, are staying to eat. Allow them to go first and then everybody else follow behind. So thank you. If you would stand, please. Let us sing. The blood will never lose its power. The blood that Jesus shed for me
family that I have to talk to them. We pray, Father, that you would bless them and bless it to nourish our body. In Jesus Christ's holy name, we all say, Amen. Amen. Amen.